Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of the PD Sports Podcast. I am Paul, and with me is Damo. Dame, how you going? Not bad, not bad, mate. Always good to be back doing a pod. Life's been hectic, but we've finally found time to do another pod. Yep, 100%. It's been a little bit of time in between once again, but it doesn't matter. We've finally got some time back together to get another podcast in. And once again, it doesn't slow down at all, does it? No, it never does. never slows down. Sports, no matter what's going on, is always evolving. You know, the Winter Olympics is on TV now, which, you know, I watch a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, there's all the other sports. Cricket's finished. Uh, You know, Champions League's going to be back really, really soon. And... You know, just so much is going on in the world of sport that, you know, everything's going on. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And from a world of football, um, even between FA Cup and international football and transfers and all the rest of it, it's been absolutely mental. So hopefully we can cover most of that stuff uh, here today which would be fantastic but again if you haven't make sure you jump in the discord which will be in the description of this podcast to get all the action from Damon myself uh, moving forward but I think the best place to start is going to be some of those FA Cup results and our favorite two teams are now out of the FA Cup those being Arsenal and Manchester United because we are Liverpool supporters that is great stuff, and can I just say the Man United game was absolutely beautiful to watch. It was that was like as a Liverpool supporter, that was just a nice way to see them go out because they dominate, they can't score, and then they just you know Ronaldo misses a pen, and then they don't win the shootout. Yes, yeah, the fact that Ronaldo doesn't win, oh sorry, doesn't uh, score from that penalty because he's meant to be the the penalty king. So it's nice to. Uh, See that he missed one from our sake. And apparently if he doesn't score in the next game that they play, it's going to be the first time in over 10 years that he's gone four games in a row without scoring. Which is pretty incredible. Just as a stat, as a professional <laughs> footballer, four games yeah. in a row for the first time in 10 years. Like yeah, it's something that, that just shows you how good the guy is. And I, as much as he's playing for United and he's come through at United before obviously being at Sporting, you name it, right? The guy is unbelievably good and I can never knock him. He's, he's good to watch. But you're talking and about, just, you know, Spain, Italy and England. Like, you're not talking about playing in France or playing in Portugal. You, you know, they're competitive leagues where you're not playing easy opposition every four games. You know what I mean? Like, you're playing teams that are in and around Europe constantly and to yeah. be able to be so consistent in front of goal, yes, obviously there's going to be games there where he scores one and it's a penalty, but, you know, undeniable. Score, yeah, and then we'll have to score. with Man United, I think, I feel for Alunga, um, you're taking the eighth penalty, the pressure's on, uh, and he absolutely bought, like skies it, doesn't he, really? Like, it's just a young player in a big moment, probably felt the we pressure. We the Euros, mate, with uh, Saka, didn't we? Yeah, we exactly. Yeah, yeah, so... It's just another one of those spots where you feel for a young kid, you just get around him and hope that United get around and realise that it's not his fault they're out. It's uh, a collective fault that they're out. They should have done better on the night. It should have been a bit more clinical. And if they were, they would have won the game easy as well because they did dominate. But, uh, you know, they're gone. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a case to say that Middlesbrough's goal was... uh, Oh, they've come out and said... I think Chris Wilder came out and said, you know, there's... You know, a hand involved, but that's the cards they got dealt, you know, that doesn't get picked up. I think we've spoken about this in the past, about the use of VAR in the early rounds of the FA Cup, and it's not there. So, you know, there's exploitation, sorry, um, 
involved in that, not exploitation, but, you know, there's a situation there where you probably need to utilize the technology because you're talking about a Premier League club and a championship club. There's no real reason not to have uh, VAR there, in my opinion. But, you know, they're out and that's all that matters at the moment. And it looks like they're not going to be bringing another trophy home, which for us is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it is. It's great. I feel for the United supporters. Big shout out to Josh, who's the new pickup in the Discord from the podcast, actually. Um, big shout out to you, Josh, when you get up to this episode. He's currently watching from episode watching, listening from episode one. Um, he's a new United supporter, and uh, I told him in my Twitch chat, and I'm going to tell him here again, mate. As much as I feel for you, I cannot stop grinning, you know, grinning with absolute delight that you guys are out and having another horrid year. Yeah, so for me, another big result that not many people are talking about is the Norwich Wolves game so uh, I'm not going to spend ages on this one either but I backed Wolves massively in this I thought obviously with the Dharma leaving good opportunity just to see how the team settled in the league Wolves have really kicked on so maybe this was something where they've gone all right maybe we sacrifice the cup uh, versus trying to go deep but you know, 1-0 Norwich, but then also Norwich are a side that are slowly building um, under Smith as well, um, which I don't think he's getting any credit at the moment. And I think, you know, they look dead and buried uh, before he came in and they're playing some good football and they're getting some good results. And yeah, I'm a bit skeptical, well, not skeptical, but I'm keen to see what happens with Norwich over the next sort of five to six weeks because it's going to be massive for that club. They're not a team that I really enjoy seeing in the Premier League traditionally because they're a yo-yo club. But if Dean Smith can get them out of trouble like he did with Villa, then you never know. He might be able to build something exciting at Norwich. Well, look, he did a decent job at Villa and then obviously it went wrong and, now, and then they realised Gerrard was available and they picked up Stevie and it's been an amazing decision there for uh, for Villa with that. Uh, but Smith has been a good manager for a while. It's almost a win-win, isn't it? For both clubs. Um, it's almost yeah. a win-win at that point because Villa can kick on under a new management with probably a bit more uh, reputation, but yeah, Norwich also pick up someone well. who's been in this position before and can steer a team to safety. Yeah, and he's playing a brand of football that kind of, wouldn't say Farkle's football did not suit Norwich, but it's a brand of football that's going to try and keep him up. The Farkle's system was just, you know, if you had the players of Manchester City, yeah, sure, you can play it. If you have the players at Norwich, you know, with uh, Ben Gibson and Hanley at the back, you can't really play out from the back because you just get squeezed and get picked off, so... Um, look, interesting game that one, and I did think that Wolves were looking at the lineup did come quite decently full strength. You know, Fabio yeah. Silva's no mug. Podence started, Matinho never started, Samedo, Nori. It was almost the first team. Like it was pretty a, much the first uh, team. It wasn't, it it was wasn't pre- their best team, but it wasn't a bad team. All sent out there. Well, so it's not I was very shocked when Wolves got done here. But um, it, maybe it's something that also to say, watch out for Wolves. You know, and uh, they're probably safe, but if. It all goes wrong there. They're not like, oh my goodness, we're out of trouble either. So, yeah. Oh, they're competing um, for they're Europe at the moment. Points. They're probably too far away now. I'm just saying, they went on a massive losing streak. Nah, they're too nah, far Nah, they're competing they're for Europe at the moment. What are you on about? I'm more, th- I'm more thinking that they've lost a couple of players. It's a big loss nah. there. It'd be interesting to see how they rebound on that. They'll lose the next four or five Premier League games in a row. Nah, they're not playing in Europe. Happens. The Premier League is their sole focus now, so... I don't so see I that being an issue. Look at their they're league form. They've won four of their last five. Yeah. They've, they're doing they've well. They've won, they've won too many of their last um, they might too have, many because they've got, they've got Arsenal, China. they've got Spurs, they've got Leicester. Then they've got it's Arsenal good. again. It's not bad. And then they've got West Ham. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to obviously tell 
uh, where they're going to, you know, that's a big, big run of games. But if they consider themselves as part of the best of the rest, then their games are going to win. win those games. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. I thought they were less points than what they were. I do apologize if that statement about them maybe getting it's because they were in trouble into this fight, but they're nowhere near in trouble. I apologize. I thought they're only on 26 points like Leicester, but they're not. Yeah, they were in trouble and they've just gone on this run where they've knocked off a few uh, decent sides as well. I think they beat uh, Manchester United yeah, in that did. run as well. So, you know, end of the day, I think they're they'll fine. be fine. Yeah. Um, one other big game I want to go through before the pretty, almost the biggest upset, which is kind of surprising to say, uh, West Ham. Again, another team. Lucky. Very, very lucky. Uh, obviously, uh, the Declan Rice equaliser. Uh, I don't know what his uh, celebration was, but... You know, Kidderminster who are very close to, to taking it at the death of normal time and then Jared Bowen steps up. Nice team goal, to be fair, for West Ham there. It was, it was a pretty simple finish from Jared Bowen, but I felt the, the play prior deserved the finish, it which did, was good. That just, just shows that, that fighting spirit. and You know, it's what the FA Cup's all about. You get those moments of like, oh, my God, the magic of the cup, you know, not league side or, you know, league two, league one side, knocks out a prem side. You get these moments of despair and Kidderminster must have felt absolutely heartbroken because they're within like three minutes of knocking West Ham out and they're within about 30 seconds of, of penalty shootout. So, yeah. and anything right. can happen as we've seen with Middlesbrough and United, any way to put that into the pod is just great. But Yeah, I definitely yeah, felt but, for them. And same with Plymouth, um, yeah. just to transition to Chelsea. Obviously going one new up early isn't easy, um, but then Kepa, of all people, whilst Mendy was away, uh, steps up in a big moment. Uh, with the save of the penalty, that so has a history of that though. Yeah, uh, that's get a bit of a penalty out. history is that boy Kepa. Yeah, that might honestly be what gets him his next move to a club. Like just because I actually think this month he hasn't done anything really wrong. To be fair, it was a confidence thing for him. When he's out of confidence, he's horrid. But when he's got confidence, he's a really good yeah. keeper. It's all about people not getting on his back. Now, I'm not going to put him in the same bracket as Carrius, but we brought it back to Liverpool. When Carrius was in confidence before that Champions League final, we actually kept unreal. Yeah. And then obviously the Champions League final never whole season recovered. It was good. See you later, right? So uh, I, I do think keeping as a keeper as well as a goalkeeper coach, confidence is massive. Um, it's the same with any sport. When you feel confident in what you're going to do, you're going to go out there and you're going to do it. When you don't have confidence, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be your day. It's, you know, you're always looking at the doom and gloom and what ifs, this and that's going to happen. So it's good to see Kepa get some form and get some confidence back. You know, do I think he's ever going to become number one over Mendy? No. Mendy's quality, quite, you know, quite clearly. But uh, do I think Kepa could keep in the top six? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think he's just someone that probably going to need that game time though as well. So it's just hard because you do want consistency. You want to get rhythm, but you also want confidence. So at Chelsea, is he going to, you know, is he going to get that? And probably the answer is no at this point because of, of Mendy and how strong he's been. So big, big yeah, I, upset was on the cards though uh, with Almighty Plymouth, but unfortunately it wasn't to be for them. But Everton, I don't really, really touch on this one, but very good performance. I, pre- I predicted them to come out really strong here against Brentford and I wasn't disappointed. Mm-hmm. What was that? I said they did. They looked yeah. amazing, didn't they, in this game? They actually looked like a team that actually wanted to play football, which was good. Yeah. And um, then for Evertonians around, and Brentford just looks really woeful, though, said in this game, though. They did not look like. Yeah, they're struggling. Like they were holiday mode. I think they're struggling at this point. Um, they're, they're hovering. They're, they're well clear at the moment of the, of the drop. I don't see Watford and whatnot catch. Oh, I mean, they're on fifth, Watford's on 15 points in 18th. 
and Brentford are in 14th on 23 points. So there is a substantial gap there. Eight points, though. Um, they've also played two games more, so that could find Newcastle in 19th as the same points as Watford. So if the form doesn't turn, and Everton are a team below Brentford as well in the league, I'm starting to be a little bit worried I'm not seeing the same energy, the same intensity, or the same defensive prowess that got Brentford some of those real crucial early points. It definitely wouldn't surprise me if they're dragged into this dogfight at the end of the season. What do you reckon? I think they'll get dragged into it, but I do also think once you're dragged into it, that you know that's oh, we're in the relegation fight takes over, and that instinct of okay, we need to play well and play you know at a higher level comes back. Um, for me, this is the this is the crucial period. And back in the January, obviously the uh, February period, and then you get that you know that international break, and then when you come back from it, it's like six to eight games to go. Um, that eight last eight games, I think they've got a couple of the big six traditional six pointers against other relegation friendly clubs. They they're the ones that are going to decide it. if they start dropping points when they play. I think they've got to play Watford again. I think they've got to play Everton again in the league. They've got some and real tough games coming up now. Yeah, so they've so got City, that, Palace, Arsenal, and Newcastle as the next four. Then Norwich, then Burnley, then Leicester. This is massive. And then Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier than West Ham. Watford. Then I Watford. Think. At the end of yeah. all that, they've got Watford. That is and that's the game. That's weather. the game. If they go on a losing streak and then Watford roll them with five to go after that, that that's the game. <laughs> that, if they lose and then Watford get and Watford roll them, they 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 could be level down. at that point. They could be level at that point, yeah. which is they scary, be, which is crazy, and that makes things interesting. And then Newcastle, obviously, with the new signings, actually spend a bit of money. They could pick get up out. some more points now. Come Wilson back, I think, as well from injury. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think that relegation fight's actually going to really heat up and. You know, Everton, they've only, look, new manager, they're going to be good. They've got some good players in. I think they will be fine. But if they don't start well under Lampard. Yeah, then they're in big trouble. Then they could also get dragged into it. Because I expect Newcastle second half year to come out and get points. Like, big points. But then we're saying Norwich can get points as well. They've won their last two. Like, you know, and then there's Leeds. It's a lot closer of a race than we thought it was going to be. Like, Leeds are only a point ahead of Brentford. Oh, sorry, behind Brentford, too. But they've all got two games. They've got two games in hand. So, uh, the two games in hand is us and Spurs. And Spurs. And they probably could lose both of them. So, you know, the Leeds and Brentford get thrown into a bottom five almost, if not a bottom six with Norwich. Like, this could be, this could be a relegation battle because Burnley are only two points off Watford, who are 18th. And then yeah. they're only three points out of the relegation zone. So, and they've got four games in hand. They've only got one. Yeah. They've only got one win. Though. They've got ten draws. I'm just looking at that now. It looks mental. Um, this could be the one of the best ends of the season, but because the of relegation. the relegation battle, because I don't see the top changing too much from what it is now. Um, fourth spot's up for grabs, but I think the top three is pretty well locked away in the way that it is. But I'm excited. But I think everyone that, below Burnford, by the way, has a game in hand or two games in hand on them. I know that's huge. That's massive. I'm just looking at that now. I'm trying to think. Southampton haven't been particularly good this season, so do you drag them into the battle? Uh, they tend to just do enough. Yeah, really. and then I think if you're dragging them into the battle, all of a sudden you're going to say Leicester and Villa are on the same points, which you never would. So yeah. I, I would say whatever. No one's talking about Brighton. I mean, six wins and 12 draws are on 30 points. Flat goal difference. Pretty good. Yeah, but I, I think 30 points is... 
getting to that stage and you're starting to become safe. Yeah. You, historically, you need 38. No, no, I mean, they've been scenario. good. I'm not saying they're going to go down. I mean, they've been good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. say, we're going to bring them into this fight. No, but no, look, no. cut-wise, and with the run-in that it could create some really big results. Yeah. Um. Because some of these teams, you know, they're still kicking in. So Palace are still in the FA Cup. Obviously, Brentford aren't anymore. Who yeah, else really? No one else really in that fight there. You know, Brighton's knocked out. Leicester, that's the one I want to move on to in a minute. But, yeah, maybe that could be something big. So Palace have Stoke in the next round. We've got Norwich. When Did they do the draw Sunday? I don't know. They did, yeah. Southampton and West Ham, that'd be good. Anyway, so Liverpool, Tottenham, easy as you like. Nice to see Harvey Elliott on the score sheet for us. Great touch, huh? He's yeah. come back from injury and he got a first touch like that. It's beautiful. We played that game in the 23s against Wrexham and scored, got an assist and came off pretty well. Yeah. So, so he's firing. He's been he's been like all over social media waiting to come back. So Man, imagine if we like, had I'm, him. I love the kid that is back too. He's a quality player. Imagine we had him in this run without Salah and just shift him out to the right just for a little bit. Just... Would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter in the end. Like, we were so worried about, you know, what was going to happen with Naby and Mane Salah, and we just sort of kept ticking. But it would have been nice to have him there just to, to ease the minutes off others. But end of the day, he's come in. He's come back now. Champions League football around the corner. Nice to see Diaz get some minutes. I haven't seen too much of our game, unfortunately, because it was just at a bit of an awkward time uh, Sunday night for us. But yeah. 3-1, Cardiff, thanks for coming. Same with Tottenham with Brighton. Um, but the big one, Nottingham Forest, they do it again. They've knocked out two of the big boys, uh, Arsenal and then the former or the, the reigning champions of this tournament in Leicester City. It's the way they've done it this time. Against Arsenal, it was a 1-0. Um, didn't do too much. Arsenal weren't great. 4-1, that's a very emphatic win uh, where they were you know 3-0 up, cruising, Leicester get a, a goal back, but I'm just looking at the stats here. Leicester, two shots on target from 11 from a Premier League team that's meant to be pushing Europe. Nowhere near good enough. They just haven't one of those years, Leicester, that they've just fallen off the boil. You know when you've been at like consistently the best of the rest and then all of a sudden it just doesn't click for that year? It's like tiredness kicks in. It's like he's got to be performing at your peak for so long there's going to be a dip. Yeah. That's what it feels like at Leicester. They're just having a dip. How do you, um, how do you get out of it? Quality. That's the question. Yeah. Um, I don't think you do. I think the only thing they can do is sack Rogers and hope that brings a new life into it. But why would you sack him? Because there's no one else better than you're going to pick up anyway. So yeah. you just stick by it. You're not going to go down. It's just one of those years you're just like, right, you know what? It's one of those years that you just take it as it is. It's not a good year. You come back next season refreshed. You know that you've had a dip. It might inspire the players to do a bit better the year after and then probably be back to being one of those teams that are best of the rest. Um, and probably the squad probably could use a little bit of reinvestment and, you know, the summer could provide that, definitely at the back. Yeah. And that, and they've been talking about that all season. Like, it's just one of those ones where everyone knew from when Vestergaard left and Fafana was injured that they needed quality and they didn't really address it, which for Leicester isn't the way they normally operate. So it's interesting. So... Anyway, I think Leicester could have the, almost a, their whole, whole own episode at this point because I think they really could as well. Things have just been going very poorly, and of course, one of their bigger moments were against us this year, which is a bit disappointing. But it is what it is. A nice weekend there, and finished off with Boreham Wood knocking out Bournemouth as well. So we love the the non-league stories there, taking on 
the championship calibre Bournemouth and getting a 1-0 win away from home. But they did a very, very snatch and grab. 17% possession, three shots, one on target, one goal. Doesn't matter. They scored early and they sat there and look, if that's how they're going to do it, then good on them. You know, they get a big a big moment out of that. And let's who did they get in the next round? Why did I just get rid of all that? They got Everton. So they get a trip to Goodison now out of all that. So I think, That's you know, huge for them. Again, it's massive. So good money to luck to them. No one else. This is the fifth round now. So we're, you know, we're almost at the round of 16. So, oh, sorry. We, are there any other games here? One, two, three, four. We're at the round of 16. Why don't they just call it a round of 16? Why is it the fifth round? It's so stupid. Fifth round, then it's the sixth round, then it's like quarter semifinal. Nah, you go fifth quarter semifinal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, Liverpool, Norwich, you know, I expect us to win there and then hopefully that makes us into another quarterfinal of another competition. Can we potentially do a treble this season? Maybe. Who knows? The league's not over. Champions League. Yeah. Uh- we're in the Carabao Cup final as well, so it could be a quad. Never know. It could be a big year for Liverpool, but um, I still think City are going to win the league. But yeah, oh. know, it is what it is. I, I'm I'm not speaking about Liverpool's chances too much at the minute. I'm just happy enjoying the year that is. Yeah, exactly. And whilst we're talking about Liverpool and talking about football, let's go on to the main event from yesterday: the African Cup of Nations final. A couple big moments in that game that I think are worth talking about before the penalty shootout. And obviously, if you're listening to this now, you probably know that Senegal were the victors who I predicted to win from the start because I felt they had the best team top to bottom. They just ticked all the boxes in all the areas and they they proved it throughout the tournament. But Mane could have probably ended this in uh, 90 minutes if he put his first penalty of the match on target. But, you know, end of the day, doesn't matter. He redeemed himself in the moment where it mattered the most but Egypt did have their chances Mo didn't re- he had one that I can remember from the first half where was it his best game though Mo was it yeah it wasn't and the chance he had was a very typical finds the ball high up the pitch right hand side shifted across and pretty well he hit it straight at Mendy but other than that there wasn't too much from Mo um, I was really well before I get on to that actually the header from Egypt, they probably need to put that on target. If you put that header on target and force Mendy into a save, I don't know if you've seen the header that I'm talking about, but it was sort of I like middle of the second half. Yeah, yeah, he just glances at it a bit early and puts it wide. If that's on target and you force a save out of Mendy, then it can just fall anywhere. But penalty shootout, I think, is where all the drama is because we've had this debate in the past, but we've never said to put your best penalty taker at five. Now, I understand why teams do it, I think from memory, you're of the opinion you get it to them first and get it off to a good start. No, I'm of the opinion that they take the fourth penalty and uh-huh. the second best takes the first. So we're the same then? Because I'm, I'm the, yeah. I have the same opinion. So Mane, that's where I, I, I give credit to Senegal because I think that was their approach and they didn't falter from it because he missed one earlier in the game. They backed him. He's the star man. And you got to back him. How good was his penalty? So his penalty, his first one, he went straight up the middle, didn't he? And the keeper yeah. saved it with his trailing hand. This time around, he just blasted it inside the side netting and the keeper went the right way. And He's never getting there. Jeez, you could have two keepers in there. He wasn't, they weren't getting there. It was a great pen. In the um, moment as well, knowing that he's going to win the tournament, to put it inside the left side netting is unbelievable. Heap of pressure. Man, man does the business. And then the he always does in the big games, doesn't he? 
It does. He's a big game player, is Mane. As much as I'm glad we got depth for him back at Liverpool, but he does perform in the big moments. He's always the number one in those options, though. Yeah. So, um, look, I think that the penalty shootout obviously had a bit of drama, but I think Senegal probably set their penalty takers up better, so to say. It's just, it's one of those ones, look, you, you might sit there and be like, what do you mean by setting up your penalty takers? It's more that... One of your biggest pressure penalty moments is the first guy taking the kick because he sets the tone, and usually the guy at four's got to either score to kick in it or score to win it if there's been a save, right? Yeah. Or he's scoring to get it to match point, which means that, right, if they miss, you win. If they score, the guy taking the fifth penalty has a chance to win. And so for me, it's like that's your best way to do it. I understand when people put the best penalty takers first because you want to start well, but my only issue with that is that when the pressure penalty comes, who do you want taking it, really? And that's your big, that's the big bear, probably. And that's where when you yeah. go back to England and Italy, I thought England structured who took their penalty takers really poorly. Um, yeah. And, you know, and obviously then there's the case for substitutions and bringing subs on for pens and when should you bring them on, you know, then getting a feel for the game or coming on a minute before. And we've, we've discussed this in the past. Um, but, yeah, look, I just feel like it's one of those ones. It was a decent cup final. It was a little cagey at times. There was definitely moments in it. Um, and, you know, in the end, well done to Mane. And nice to see Mane and Sullivan embrace at the end. And, uh, you know, they're probably on a plane ride home together. So there you are. Yep, exactly right. So oh, it's just been one of those tournaments where I probably should have watched more than I did. Um, I don't know how you felt with it all, but I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. It's just It felt there were games there that I really wanted to watch. And then I go, like Nigeria... I don't know yeah. what was going on with Nigeria, but uh, half their squad was not there. And I was just like, oh, they were the team that I was the most keen to watch, like with Dennis and with Victor Ossiman and with Awobi. And I'm just like, Dennis, well, didn't, Dennis didn't even go. Dennis, well, that's what I'm saying. Dennis and Victor didn't go. And I'm like, well, there goes their chances because you're talking the most two informed, probably a bar Trust seller, you know, in the tournament. They're the two next guys that are, you know, pulling trees up in in Europe and they're not there. And I just sort of had a sour taste, you know, in, in you know, that sounds a bit immature or whatever, but yeah. I don't know. I just, the other, like the other games, like there's just some absolute dead rubber of dead rubber games that I just could not sit down to put myself through it. Like this straight, like I just, obviously I didn't get around to the, the real nitty gritty knockout stage games because they weren't at the best of times for us uh, as well. It was one of those competitions where you just look at the results the day after final. Yeah, and have a look at the highlights if there was something big. Yeah, so leading into a World Cup, that's why I kind of wanted to watch it a bit more. But look, I think we kind of predicted, well, I predicted, not obviously on podcasts, we didn't really speak about it much, but you knew it was going to be a Senegal-Egypt. If you didn't predict Senegal-Egypt from the start, then you were just being optimistic for someone else because Nigeria yeah. would have been my pick, I reckon. But because, the squad wasn't there. But the, exactly right. The squad wasn't there. A few people said Morocco, but I said, nah, again, no Zayic. You can't rely on Hakimi and a few others that are okay in, in major leagues. But I know Dom was saying that Morocco were going to beat Egypt. And I said, what are you, what are you on about? <laughs> and then the next day they went and smacked them up. But yeah. you just... That's why I didn't get into it, I think, because you could just see what was going to happen. 
Exactly. And I, and I predicted that final and I predicted the outcome. So it's not like it didn't surprise me at all. It didn't but. surprise either of us, I don't think. It doesn't surprise most people that watch the, from the outside in yeah. and went, you know, attached to one of the uh, other sides in the competition. Which doesn't happen very often either. African Cup of no. Nations normally throws up, you know. It some, usually does. And there were definitely strange. some good moments uh, throughout the competition. Um What's yeah. his name getting a draw on the opening day? Uh, oh, I know who you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. about 3,000 population came over on a boat, one yeah. draw. Um, at, at the end of the tournament, they had their left back at five foot seven playing goals. And he wasn't, <laughs> even using, wasn't even using his hands. Yeah. Um, he was like trying to tackle saves. It was great. That's why I love the African Cup of Nations. He gets draw. like that. And I think it's unbelievable. Like proper. Yeah, like, it's just raw, passion. Yeah. yeah, and I love the competition. I think the competition's great. I wouldn't change it, but uh, it was hard to get into this one, I feel. Yeah, anyway. Now, uh, let's be wrong, mate. the big news in Australia. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like this at all, to be perfectly honest. I don't but either, but uh, the news is so Justin Langer has resigned. Yeah, yeah, I really don't like this at all. Not because so, of... Of the process, I don't like how it's come to this point, and it's someone that's done so well. And we've spoken about this away from the podcast briefly because I don't think we really wanted to talk about it until we got on here. But the fact that player power in sport these days, I really don't like the disrespect to authority in the majority of sports at the moment, whether it be football and players with contracts and having player power that way or whether it's now through the cricket where the captain's kind of calling the shots ahead of the coach. I don't. I, I, I know exactly how you feel about this situation, but for someone that came in and took over uh, when we were in absolute bits and pieces, to retain the Ashes in England, to win a T20 World Cup, and then to win an Ashes Series 4-0, and to be competitive against India last summer as well, I just don't like this, and it screams that, he wasn't being best buds with the players. He was making players accountable and they didn't like it. And that's what I don't like because at that level, you should just be grateful to play for your country and grateful to play for a a coach that wants the best for the country, not the best for you as an individual. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think it stinks, obviously. If people who don't follow me on like my social media, Discord, even my Twitch chat, I've talked about this a lot. I cannot fathom how Justin Langer did not get like a four-year deal. I cannot fathom it. Like, and there was a deal offered, and the deal was absolutely putrid for Cricket Australia. And the only reason that offered him a deal was because of the pressure from media and former players saying, what are you doing? And the deal was, it was a six-month deal because the T20 World Cup's coming back around in six months and he deserves a right to defend his title, which he does. But they're only going to time the other six months and to be basically the T20 coach. And this is a guy that took over with Cricket Australia in tatters, Cricket Australia in poor situation, and he's, reta- he's returned Australia through being a great tactical coach, but more importantly, a great team, you know, player manager in a role of making players accountable, bringing up standards of training, bringing up standards of how you play the game and play the game in the right way to a standard of what it was back in his day. And his day was the heyday of Cricket Australia, yeah. right? You had Warren, Langer, Hayden, Gilly, you can name the whole team, right? Ponting, you name it, right? Yeah. And... This guy brought in that culture. Yes, it ruffles up some feathers at times because it makes you hold you accountable. It makes you really, as a player, go, I can't shit the bet. But that's how it should be at the elite level. 
Yeah. The fact that the players can turn around and go, this guy's too hard on us, I'm going to have a sook. We prefer maybe Trevor Bayless, who's going to be a bit softer with us, a bit more cuddly in terms of, oh, the group would be together and be united and if we don't do well, it's okay sort of thing mentality. I'm not all for that. If you're playing cricket for Australia, right, you have to be of the mode of the going gets tough, you get going. Not, you know, oh, the going gets tough, you quit and you try and get your coach out. Or the going gets tough, you've been bounced by a few, you know, West Indian fastballs back in the 80s, all right, I'm going to retire. You know, when the going gets tough, you put the foot down, you get going and you start playing cricket. And the boys did that. you got to remember, we weren't favourites for the T20 World Cup. We weren't even predicted to make it to the knockout stage. And Langer rallied, rallied the troops, won, what, seven games in a row to win that T20 World Cup, and he did it. Bang, there you go. Ashes rolls around, outstanding performance. Yeah. And Cricket Australia turn around and go, mm, that boy yeah, doesn't like him. I think what I don't like with cricket, to add, is the influence the captain has on big decisions. I don't think – I think they should be able to dictate what they want on the field. But when it comes to stuff off the field, Cricket Australia and the board need to have the guts to make the decision that's going to suit Cricket Australia and the team not allow. So that's where I think that offers come from because Pat Cummins or I'm not going to throw names out, but people from that senior leadership group, because I don't obviously know who's you know, done what, they've clearly gone and said, look, the team aren't happy with the current situation. Make this change in the most PC way possible. So it forces Langer's, it, it, it just forced Langer's hand into a resignation because he knows then that the players aren't backing him he knows that cricket australia is not giving him a contract that's suitable they've kind of said look mate if you want to stay around for another six months go for it but once that's up you're not getting a renewal probably so he's gone all right i'm going to leave on my terms then and good luck and he'll probably go to england and if england's smart go get him because he's a proven coach go get him they they, they need him they they sat like half their board michael vaughan said it Three yeah, weeks ago, go get him. Strauss, I think, is probably favourite to uh, get one of the board roles at the ECB, from what I've read. Okay. And Strauss has apparently already made contact with Langer. And if I was Justin Langer, and I know this is like goes back to, well, you played for Australia, you played in the Ashes, why would you go and manage the opposition? Why wouldn't you is my thing. What a project. Yeah. Like you get, you're gonna go there. You're gonna get given time. You're gonna get a big old contract, and you're gonna get given time to take a team from tatters yet again and build them into something. Now, I understand maybe Langer may not want to do that because of uh, you know being an Aussie. I get that, right? But Matthew Hayden's a Pakistan. Yeah, no. I, so, if I'm, I'm Langer, thinking, I'd want to do it, and then I want to go win the Ashes with England. That's what yeah, I do. Just be like, this is what you missed out on. Hundred percent. Trevor, Trevor Bayless is favourite for the Australia job, and he was England coach. Yeah, because he's best mates with Pat Cummins. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Um, but I think they want Ponting. And Ponting, I don't think... Ponting no, they're not going to get Ponting because it's the they same want, thing. It's the, well, you have the same philosophy and the same ethos as Langer. It's just, so they're cut from the same cloth. Uh, that's I love I Ponting. I don't think Ponting's going to walk into the job. Apparently, Gillespie was like second favourite. Gillespie came out and said, well, because of what's happened with Langer, I don't oh, want the job. Jeez, he would have been good. And, yeah, well, he, he's like, well, I'm just happy to focus on South Australia and trying to get them back to being a half-decent, you know, yeah. South Australian side. Good lad. We'll take half-decent. But, um, you know, he dissed himself from the job today in an interview. He said, no, wow. I don't want it, not with everything going on. I um, don't blame him. And, you know, and for me, it's like, if we don't get Trevor Bayless, who are we going to get? And even then, I think Trevor Bayless is such a big step backwards that, you know, I don't even say he's a bad coach. Um, but, you know, 
But there was no need to disturb what we had. That's the problem. No, there's no... I just don't understand how the players can have so much power and how you think as, you know, as a board, and it just shows you the Cricket Australia board is just stupid, right? As a board that you can look at it shows weak. the World Cup and Ashes in the last year and go, yeah, you're not good enough to coach Australia. What? Well, it's not that. So they're not saying he's not good enough. They're just buckling to player pressure because then it's they'll probably, because then what happens is the players don't get what they want. They say, well, we refuse to play. So are you going to play an Australia B team or are you going to listen to the players and get rid of the one guy at the top? So it's just a shocker situation. And I'd rather Cricket Australia just go, oh, well, if you don't want to play for who we're playing for, then stiff shit. See you later. I'm telling you, that more of the players and push comes up are still going to play cricket for Australia. Just exactly right. Lose the couple. But, you know, guys like Scotty Bowl and Kawaja. Mate, if Pat Cummins Kawaja, doesn't want to play, there's enough bowlers so going good. around. I know he's so good, good, but we're good now, especially in the home yeah. conditions. Yeah, you know, can come in. You know, above Pat. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Michael Nisa. I do think this has been led by Pat Cummins, and you know, it taints me a little bit of how good of a, his start as a captain's been, and how much of a you know good guy he usually is. But this smells of the captain kicking up a fuss and cricket shadow going, "Well, you're our pinup boy." Wouldn't it surprise me if Dave Warner's in on it too. To be fair. Ah, uh, maybe. But I think Warner and Langer had a pretty good understanding. And the reason of how tough Langer is made Warner probably prolong his career by about three, four years of how fit he's become. So yeah. I think he owes maybe. him a lot. Yeah, um, you're probably right there. Yeah, so look, yeah. it's one of those ones that I'm absolutely disgusted. I cannot, be- I cannot believe it that one of our probably best coaches of the last, what, five, eight, ten years? No, nah, man, my, whole, my like whole lifetime, I reckon. Like, I'm talking... Between Lehman, Nielsen, and Langer, they're the three coaches that I remember having. He's number one. Lehman, yeah, was, he's not one out of that group. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, but then I obviously remember Buchanan, right? And Buchanan obviously did a really good job. And he has a record to back it up. Is he before Nielsen? You got to remember that Warnie and a lot of the players did not like Buchanan's way of going about it. But they still went out there and played for him. Was he the guy before? They did lose the Ashes in 05, but in the greatest series of all time. But they went on this most dominant run, and it was more because Buchanan was one of these managers like Langer, where the standards were so high. He did go about it in a weird way, doing all these sort of like weird tasks and training and phasing players out to get them to, you know, respond and all that sort of stuff. And Langer, I don't think, has been phasing players out a different way. But that whole 05, 06, 07, 04, 03 group under him, they didn't turn around and say the group's trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Was he the coach yeah, before yeah. Nielsen? Yeah, I think so. Right. I believe so. Cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I just don't remember him. That's why. I'm trying to think there was an interim period between Nielsen oh. and... There may have been, but it uh, doesn't matter. Might have been. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Anyhow, right. it is weird. Yeah. So I think, I think this rolls into the first question pretty well um, from Dim. Is Australia doomed after the resignation? The short answer is no, because the talent's there. So... I think the players are at a point where our best 15 can get us out of any situation, regardless of who the coach is, 95% of the time, I'd like to think. We've got the best batsman, the best bowler in the world. We've actually got a really settled 11 at the moment um, and we're in a good squad. So the team obviously just got announced today as well yeah, for the tour Pakistan, of Pakistan. Yeah. And bloody hell, it looks stacked. It, it looks does. so stacked. So I don't think we're in any danger of, you know, really struggling because the players have kind of got what they want. So... The morale is not going to be low. Um, but again, you don't want this going looming over a tour away as well. But whatever, I'm just over it. Um, short term dim, we're not in trouble. In the mid to long term, we've got India and India. I'm going to put put it right now. 
Without Langer at the helm, we get done 4 0 in India and India. That wouldn't surprise me. We're going to go there, we're going to get spun out. Because, you know, whoever comes in is going to fiddle around with the squad and, you know, get an ethos that he wants to play under and whatever. When Langer was building under a team, he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew in spinning conditions, play Kawaja. He knew if it wasn't for Kawaja, he could play someone else. And, you know, he, he knew his options. He knew how to man manage it and everything like that. Trevor Bayless, for instance, is going to come in and I'm going to go, all right, Trevor. What are you going to do in your first series is going to be India away. What are you going to do, mate? And he's going to go out there. He's probably going to pick bigger names. Scott Bowler would be amazing in India. Probably won't get a go now. I think that he would go with the coming Stark, Hazelwood, Lyon, another spinner in Swepson sort of to go. Where I would be dropping like, Langer was, had the balls to go to Stark and probably say, nah, mate, you, you know, there's not your condition here. Bowling's in, you're out. And probably what needs to happen if we're going to beat India in India, right? Um, so, yeah, I think in the mid to long term we're in trouble. Especially if the next coach who comes in doesn't do a good enough job, which I think would be Trevor Bayliss, and it's going to go one or two ways. It's either going to work or it's going to go horrible. Um, but in the short term against Pakistan, we'll be fine. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And the last question we've got, the Club World Cup preview from DIM. So for those that don't understand what that is, all the Confederation like Champions League winners from around the world will compete in a tournament. And I'm trying to remember who won the last one now. That's slipped my mind, but it doesn't matter. Uh, is it who won the previous Champions League? Was it Piers? No. I remember who won the last Club World Cup. I should well, know this, but it doesn't matter. Wasn't uh, us, though. No, it wasn't us. It happens, it happens every year. Um, Club World Cup 22. Let's have a quick look. So we've got Palmeiras and Al Hilal. And okay, it's just. Okay, this is different than what I thought. They've made it very small. So it's only the winners this year of the Champions League. COVID thing. Oh, yeah, maybe right. So there's been a few I games think, already. I think Chelsea are going to win that one by memory. They're the only team of real life. Yeah, European so it's Palmeiras, Al-Ali, Al-Hilal and Chelsea. So for me, yeah. whoever wins the Chelsea-Al-Hilal game probably wins the tournament. Um, um would be a good side. I think it'd be Parry Chelsea final if they can make the final. Yeah, hundred percent. So that will be on the thirteenth of February. So that's on Sunday. Um, and the, that's why they missed two game weeks in fantasy Premier League Chelsea for those that are wondering. Oh, I got to check my team this week. Thank you for reminding um, me. Deadline is tonight, Paul. Oh crap. Okay, I've it's got some work to do. You're all good. Don't worry. Oh, that's right. The players are playing. Yeah, we're good. Um, don't need to do that. So. I don't know how I feel about the Club World Cup. Obviously, actually, I think I got rid of most of my Chelsea players for that reason already. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, I don't have a single one. Anyway, so look, I think, yeah, Club World Cup, whatever it is, what it is. Um, good opportunity. Chelsea, I think so. Power Rimmers may be the underdog. Um, if Al Halal can do a job against Chelsea, you don't write them off either being a very good Egyptian side. It's a good opportunity for them to add another trophy to the cabinet, though. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think for this episode, I reckon that's where we will leave it. Thank you for your company once again. Hopefully we can get back on the weekly grind. I think we're back in rhythm majority of the time now. So hopefully we'll be back on Mondays. Um, but I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. i got to find what's going to work whilst I'm not training as well because we've both got winter seasons to prepare for. So we may be back to Monday very soon. By the end of the crypt season rolls around, which Paul is back playing. Yep, as People may know or may not know because I haven't been live for a very long time. I don't think I've been live since I played. Yeah, maybe once. Maybe once. Out and played a couple of games with me now. Yeah, so 
Try and get some runs in the game. Paulie's watched me play. I've not made runs. And the three games before that, Paulie, what did I do? Make like 350s in a row. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm bad, luck time, bad luck charm. Yep. Anyway, all right. That's where we're going to leave it for this week. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you give us a rate on Apple Podcast. Make sure you also get in the Discord, which is in the description from myself. Thank you very much for your support and for listening. Damo, do you want to wrap us up for this week? Thank you yet again, guys. As always, in the Discord, I'm definitely very active in the Discord. So any questions, any queries, let me know. Plenty of plenty of action in Discord as well with a good bunch of boys. The grind's obviously going to be out there as well on our Twitches. Uh, you know, Damon underscore 23 and Paulie 29 when he gets back into it with his hectic schedule with everything going on. Uh, but look, for me, as always, a pleasure to be with Paul and a pleasure to wrap up a lot of sport. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot on the horizon, including Formula One. More cricket, more football as well. Champions League, don't forget that too. And the footy. Yes. Heaps to come and we'll see you next week for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast.